You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life. How are you guys doing? All right. Isn't Kitty a great storyteller? You're just like, and then what happened? And then what happened? Wow. Great storyteller. Thanks, Kitty, for doing that. Hello, Real Life Online. How are you guys doing? So excited that you would choose to join us today. So thanks for joining us and for all you folks in here. My name is Josh Gray. I am the lead servant here at Real Life. Uh, I get the privilege of being a, the, the lead pastor, the privilege of being on staff and serving at a church, and it is a privilege and an honor to be able to do that. And so uh, I'm excited today to share with you. We have a long way to go before the sun sets on this one. We're tackling the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, we've been in our camping in the parables uh, series here. And so uh, when I say Good Samaritan, for most of us, that has a warm fuzzy. Like, that makes sense. There's hospitals called Good Samaritan Hospitals. There's, um, we have a, 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 a nursing facility, an assisted living facility called Good Samaritan, uh, where obviously people are being taken care of. Um, there's Samaritan's Purse, which is a great ministry and organization that dives in to help uh, people in needs. And um, there's even Good Samaritan Laws. Uh, when we think about that, that would, would protect a good Samaritan. So Samaritans must be great, right? So if, uh, if uh, there's a car burning and, you, and, and the person's in there and you run in there and you grab them out and you jerk them out and you break their arm when you jerk them out, but you save them from burning in the fire and they want to sue you for saving them, but you broke their arm the way you did it, there's good Samaritan laws in states that protect you because you are trying to do the right thing and be a good Samaritan. And so in our mind, just to uh, phrase this, you know, I think that the title I've called this servant is pivot. And I think that it's a a pivot because in our minds, we need to pivot in understanding things. Anybody ever watch that very sinful show called Friends? Right? There's an episode where Ross, basically the whole episode, he's just yelling, pivot, pivot. They're trying to move furniture up the stairs. Pivot, pivot. And he says it like a bunch of different ways. It's pretty funny. But the pivot needs to happen not with furniture. The pivot needs to happen right here in the most valuable real estate in the entire world, these six inches, some of us eight inches, uh, uh, between our head. And so um, even just how we view the, the, the word Good Samaritan and understanding what that means and how we think I think will be challenged this week as we go through this. So parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So an expert in the law uh, is a Torah scholar, and he stood up to test Jesus. Um, and he said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit uh, eternal life? Seems like an okay question, but there's just some weird things with the, 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 the wording here. So the way that he says teacher and he uses teacher is demeaning here. He's not saying teacher, oh, smart one. He's kind of like, okay, smarty pants, I'm the, I'm the scholar here. So it's a, negative, it's a negative use of the word teacher, not a like, oh, you're a smart guy, teach me something. He is being a jerk to Jesus. And uh, Jesus is being an awesome rabbi. What does he do? He answers a question with a question. He says, uh, well, what's written in the law? He replied, and how do you read it? How do you interpret it? What's your opinion? Let's put you on the hot seat. And of course, being a a good Jew, he would know this part of the law because they say the Shema every day, but to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor 
as yourself. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 good job. You got it correct. You answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So the guy just kind of got worked in a little altercation. And so he tries to be all uh, fancy pants, wanting to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Remember when you were in school? How many people in here were question kids where you'd be like the person asking the questions in school? You're like, I got a question. I'm just why. You're the why person in your family. Just always asking why. So remember that where they used to say, hey, there's like no dumb questions? Well, no, there is. Actually, this is a dumb question. <laughs> this is a dumb question. You know, uh, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Like, who do I have to like care about? Who do I have to be uh, Jesus to? Who do I have to like actually care about in this world? Just give me the people that I'm just supposed to care about. And, and so I'll just work with those things. But I don't want to have to be open to things like who do I have to? You know how it feels to when you have to be loved by somebody? It's real genuine, awesome love when they're forced to love you, right? Who do I have to? Who is my neighbor? So remember this. The text is so fun because it's real people, real place, real time, okay? And so when they talked about, and the next thing, this is a Wadi Kelt right here. And a Wadi is a place, a canyon, basically. You have to be careful when you tour over in Israel. If there's a storm like 150, 200 miles away, you could get flushed like a, down a toilet, being in a, in a wadi in the wrong place. And so this is a wadi, which is a deep ravine. And uh, the text talks about that they went down from, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now that makes sense because usually you go up to Jerusalem for anything anyway, but geographically it makes sense. Uh, Jerusalem sits about 2,300 uh, feet above sea level, 23, 2,400 feet above sea level, and Jericho is 800 feet below sea level. So everybody sitting in that room knows this. It's an 18-mile journey, and they know this road. They know about this road. They know this. So think about this, and it's hard to put this in context if you live in Moscow because there's not a whole lot of bad streets or bad places to go in Moscow. But think about this from the standpoint if, like, when I lived in Sacramento, California, there are places, there are places where people with my skin color don't go. I would get beat up and jump. There are places if you drive down that street, they will throw rocks at your car and throw chains at your car because you're not supposed to be there. That's, like, this is that kind of a place. This is a rough spot. They're like, if you're like, oh, I'm going from Jerusalem to Jericho, they'd be like, good luck. Rough road, right? So you have to go, go down to this uh, place. And so the next picture is the actual picture of the road road a little bit ish of the road so you see this is not like a highway and it'll make it put in perspective we're like well they went to the other side there like is no other side like the other side is like you slid down the wadi and went around like the other side is and especially when the when the priest comes and they can only be within so many cubits of a dead body which this body could have appeared dead to him they have to detour and they have to put some work in to detour on this and so as we dive into the text here, uh, uh, in reply, Jesus said, so he's going to tell a story. All of us Jewish listeners are there like, okay, cool. He's going to tell the story. And he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of know this story because this isn't the first time maybe they've heard this story. And you know when you go to a, somebody says a joke and they're like, okay, uh, uh, a priest, a rabbi, and a pastor walk into a bar. You're like, you know who the characters are supposed to be. They're thinking like, yep, I know who the characters are supposed to be. 
And so uh, this man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was, he was attacked by robbers. Of course, dangerous path. They stripped him of his clothes. Interesting. So your clothes are your uniform. The clothes would tell you which group you belong to based on the type of clothes that you wear. So we may have some police officers in, in here today, but they're not wearing their uniform. They look just like us, right? So your clothes would let you know if this guy was on your team or not on your team or part of this club or part of this club. But this guy doesn't have any clothes because they took him because clothes were valuable because they were hard to make, right? And so they took his clothes. They didn't just go down to Old Navy, get a new set. And so they took his clothes... And they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. The word half dead here is an interesting phrase. uh, And it means like literally like you couldn't tell if the person was dead or alive. It could mean that they were uh, unconscious. And you couldn't, you you didn't know if that person was breathing or not breathing, which makes it interesting as you introduce the first guest to the party. So a priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, so he visually saw him, he passed by on the other side. Remember the picture. Tough other side. Priests had certain distances. They had to be away from dead bodies or they'd become unclean. If he was coming down from Jerusalem, he probably just finished his, uh, uh, if he was going down, he just finished his temple, uh, temple stuff that he needed to do and he was coming down, but he didn't want to become unclean. And you'd be breaking, uh, by being unclean, you're like breaking Torah and you're distancing self, yourself from God. So you better step away because there's a dead body possibly over there. So we can't beat up on the priest too much, right? And then the next character that gets introduced, so too a Levi, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Okay, well, this guy missed it too. And you're like, okay. And now, now you're ready for the punchline because you know the next person that's coming, right? You know who's coming next. It's the pastor, it's the rabbi, and it's the priest, right? You know the next person coming. So when I say the next sentence, I want you guys to be like, Boo, like your guy just missed the field goal that cost the Miami Dolphins their first victory of the year um, or whatever. Something that's, I know that's probably not realistic, but um, that they would get a victory. But anyway, um, so I'm uh, picking on my friend here. Uh, but, the, but like boo it like you're mad, right? So when I say this next, next sentence, just boo me off the stage here, okay? So we had the Levite that came. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came to where the man was and took pity on him. Samaritan is a bad word. Samaritan, like they would, you'd be sitting here writing like, what? You're getting the story wrong, Josh. That's not who it would be. What is this Samaritan person going to do? Samaritan, like the arch, like the half-breeds. And there's a bunch of good context that I want you to mine out at the bottom of your sermon notes that you do or don't have or on the website, there's a link. And I want you to go mine out this content so you can see the depth of hatred that they would have for Samaritans. So we have a warm fuzzy when you say Samaritan. They wouldn't say the word or they would be unclean. If you could say a word that would make you unclean, that would make you unable to have a relationship with God, that's it. So a Samaritan, they're shocked and like trying to like, what in the world are you talking about? You just said it. And you say like, little guys, you ever seen your parents say something they shouldn't have said? And you're like, oh. Yeah, that's this. That's, that's worse. You'd be like, I didn't even know they knew that word. And so they said the Samaritan, but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and saw him and took pity on him. Wait a minute. 
that's not the hero of the story. Somebody's got it wrong. Let me tell you how much they hated Samaritans. Jesus, here's John 8, 48. And the Jews uh, were answering Jesus, and they said, aren't we right in saying, aren't we right in saying that you're at, let's just skip that word. You're, aren't we right in saying that you're demon-possessed? Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? They put those two phrases together in the same spot. That's what they think about Samaritan. Right there with the devil. They're comparing Jesus to being demon-possessed and a... Like, let's, let's, let's pick on some... Uh, let's see. What do we not like here? How many fan people love Boise State? You can't say that. You're wearing an Idaho hat on. You can't say that. That did not work. The first service was great. They were like, boo! If you could spit, you would. You'd just, but you can't because be in your mouth kind of uh, thing. Uh, um, or how many people love the Washington Huskies? No, you don't like them if you're a cougar. Boy, do we have any allegiance here? Is this just a group that loves everybody? Is the sermon done? <laughs> Guess the sermon's over. You guys don't dislike anybody, right? It would be the worst of the worst. It'd be like uh, uh, um, the Taliban or something, just, just as whatever you think of evil and badness, that's what they think of Samaritans. Man, that went over like a lead balloon. Second, we'll do the first service. Uh, he, uh, so what did the Samaritan do? He went and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to an innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and, I, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So two denarii in that world is like two weeks of wages. You get, you get paid every two weeks here. I kind of get paid every two weeks here. So not only the guy that you kind of want to beat up, and like the guy that probably like killed some of your, like they have their relatives with people that killed some of your relatives, as a matter of fact, let me tell you how bad Samaritans were. It would be like for Christmas, if we're all, we love Christmas, and you get up Christmas morning and you've worked so hard to prepare everything for Christmas, and somebody has put cigarette ashes in the meal that you make every day, and all your gifts are gone, and your tree's kicked over, and uh, it's thrown outside of there, and you get up, and that's what you wake up to. Those kind of people. So much so that Samaritans put dead bones all around their temple at Passover and ruined their Passover. That guy, do they even have pity? Do they even have compassion? So Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The priest and the Levite who did nothing? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Still, he still wouldn't say the Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him. And let's talk about mercy. This word for mercy, this is an action word. This isn't a like, I felt sorry. This isn't a like, ah, what a bummer. That must, must be a bummer to have your car on fire. I, but I've really got to get to my, my event that I'm trying to go to. Mercy here is an action word. Mercy is like they actually do something. And it's been 
pretty heavy on my heart this week as I think about it is like, what is my view of mercy? Do I just feel bad? Am I just sorry for you and your predicament? Or am I going to actually do something as a Christian? Am I going to just scream it on Facebook or scream it in, in some sort of riot? Or am I going to actually do something that moves the ball forward? It's interesting, there's a possible remez in here in 2 Chronicles 28, 14, and it's just interesting the phrases, the phrases that are happening here. So there's a big uh, battle, and there's 120,000 people killed, and they're taking these, uh, they take these uh, Samaritan prisoners and their plunder back. So it says, the soldiers gave up their, there's a prophet that was told to do that. So the soldiers gave up their prisoners and plunder in the presence of the officials and the assemblies. These men designated by name took the prisoners and the plunder uh, for the prisoners and from the plunder they clothed all who were naked did we see was there somebody naked in this story they didn't have any clothes that's an interesting parallel they provided them with clothes and sandals food to drink and healing balm do we see anybody providing healing oil and all those things in the good Samaritan well, that's interesting and all those who were weak were put on donkeys wait a minute, we heard this story before. I thought I knew all about the Good Samaritan. I didn't know it was in Second Chronicles and it was ordered and it was, God, was, God was the Good Samaritan. <laughs> wait a minute. So they took them, back, took, back, uh, took them back to their fellow Israelites at Jericho, the city of Palms, and returned to uh, Samaria. More to that story. There's more meat on that bone to look in there. But I guess the thing that's been heavy for me is, is in my 45 years uh, on this earth, in my 20 years as a Christian, um, I have not felt our world being as divided as it is. Does it seem extra divided to you guys, like more than normal with like what your face looks like and whether you're wearing a mask or not and the political climate we're getting ready to climb into and all that. Does this seem extra divided or is this, are we just victims of our circumstance here? I mean, I'm only 45. Does anybody older than me feel like this is a pretty divided time? Thank you. Yeah. It feels that way to me. And in my heart, if we can't get this moving in the right direction, we're in big trouble. And when I say the we're, the we're is not about America. I'm as patriotic as they come. I can't wait. My house that eventually will get built someday, uh, I'm going to have a flagpole up there, and it's going to wave the American flag. I look at the American flag differently now that my son serves in the United States Air Force. My dad was a veteran. I love America. I'm super excited about America. I don't love America more than I love Jesus. We have to pivot. If we love America, we'll act a lot more like Jesus. And there's slogans like make America great again. You know what we need to make great again? This. This needs to be the vernacular. Viewing people as human beings, even if they don't agree with you. And again, man, I'm patriotic. Like, we've done a lot of good. 
We have the ability, we, meaning the country, America, we have the ability to do a lot more good. But if we continue to divide, right? A house divided against itself will not stand. Everybody before us has told us that as we continue to divide, so how do we bring you, how do, how do you and I as Christians unite? Are you, are you spewing words of uniting and getting together and moving closer even with people that you don't agree with and moving towards a common good and believing, in the, believing that, that we can get there as a group even if the person doesn't think and act and vote like you? Because like, that seems to be a lot like what Jesus Christ did. It seems to me that he didn't just hang out with everybody who just thought like him. It seems to me that he would engage in conversations. And, and if we want to have the mind of Christ, we've got to have, be careful with what comes into your brain. And I'm not saying the news networks are bad, but they are. Um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying uh, that Facebook is bad, but if it's your major source of influence and where you get all your education from, that's a problem. Right? Spend the time. Invest in pivoting this real estate in your head to pivot and move closer to our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Let America worry. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll help out America a lot if we start to look a lot more like Jesus. Amen? And so for us in here, uh, what are we going to do about it? You know, during the past pandemics, Christians didn't run away. You know what Christians do? They run into chaos with their Lord, with their Bible, with their kindness, with their heart, with their paychecks. Can you imagine giving your two-week paycheck to your arch enemy to help heal them when you really wanted, when they killed your family? I'm not there yet. I'll work on it. But it's time for us to pivot. It's time for Christians to be on the front line and not beating people to death with God's word, but loving them to death with God's word. Acting differently, being different. Having mercy, not just words. How many people have the gift of criticism? Yes, it's not in, the, it's not in there. It's not the gift of criticism. It's not, not here. It's not here. Guess what? We have enough of those people with gifting right now, don't we? It's always somebody else's fault. Blame shifting. It's that team's fault. It's that team's fault. It's that person's fault. It's that person's fault. Where do we take responsibility for our own actions? The great divide is here. The author of division, you guys know who that is? Wants to divide your marriage, wants to divide you from your kids. Wants to divide you and make you worried about money and the things that you and I both need. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for this church to rise up. Yeah, we were almost better before we had a building. As many of you maybe weren't even here before, but this church uh, had two presences in Pullman and Moscow. We set up and tore down every week. And we weren't worried about what events were going to be going on in our building. We were worried about what we could be doing out in the community. I'm pivoting. 
We are going to find the initiative that God has on our heart and we are going to go crush it and make it so awesome and point to Jesus just more excited than we've ever been before. We're not walking around wondering, wondering if we're going to make it. We're on the edge and we're excited and we're riding it and we're like, woo, I might fall off, but we're going to fall off together. We're going to take a swing together. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. How is that going? I don't, even, I don't like that question or that statement at all. I have been conforming to the pattern of this world. I need to conform to the pattern of this world. Of what he would have us to do. How we are going to make a difference. Not for the name of real life, not for the name of whoever your pastor is, but in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to renew your mind? Look at more Facebook posts? Watch more evening news? The right news? The wrong news? You can talk about all, everything you can except for the stuff that matters? Don't talk about uh, what religion, politics, and sex. Is that what we're not supposed to talk about? Don't talk about the things that define your life. How about we talk about them really well in a healthy manner that's honoring God? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many people in here want to know what God's will is for your life? How many people want to know what God's will is for our church? Would you please intentionally pray for that? It's time for our church to get on our knees and get out of the building. We're not here anyway, it looks like. We're online. I got you. And start impacting our community. Our community needs us more than ever. We're getting ready to take some risks within our church, some good risks, some calculated risks. Getting ready to dive in to our restoration nights more than ever before. Imagine with me, if you will, a room properly socially distanced, filled every Thursday night, worshiping God, not as a performance, but with their hearts, with tears coming down their eyes because they believe what they were saying when they were worshiping. They need a second chance and they're ready to go. They have a, they have a bummer marriage. They have an alcohol problem or an addiction problem or a spending problem or a gaslighting problem or a you name all the problems. There's the people that are super buttoned up and they come in in a tie and they're a six-figure person. And then there's the person that comes up that doesn't have a house or a job. And we're all in here properly, social distance. Uh, and we're all in here and we're worshiping God together and we're asking for his hand to come upon our church and our lives. And then we exit here and we have places to go. I've got boundary issues. Good news. Mr. Royce is teaching boundary classes. Now, I've got sexual addiction issues. Great news. We have some teachers for that. Oh, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got uh, spending issues. Good news. We've got some teachers for that. You know, I've been abusive to my wife and my kids Maybe not physically, but with my words. Great news. We've got, we've got a spot for you. Any spot that you have that's broken and hurting that you are actually have enough guts to admit, we've got a place for you to get plugged in and get healed. Because when you start becoming whole, 
The church starts becoming whole, and when the church starts becoming whole, the community starts becoming whole, and when the community starts becoming whole, the states start becoming whole, and when the state starts becoming whole, the nation becomes whole, and when nations become whole, we start looking a lot like Jesus Christ. Amen? But where, like, it starts with you sitting in your chair right now, choosing to not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Fight against those. Choosing to pray for God's will in your life and in the, in the church you happen to attend. Let's, let's make a difference. Let's make a difference. I want you guys to see this quick little video from our friend Brad Gray with Walking the Text. And the reason why I want you to see it is I want you to be like, oh, he didn't cover that very well. Oh, he didn't cover that very well. Oh, he didn't cover that very well. Oh, I know. I couldn't do what he does in 140 minutes, in 22 minutes. I want you to go check this out and experience the the Good Samaritan in a way that you've never experienced it before. So check out this video real quick. Starts off with a question. And who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes, I'm going to tell you a story because we need to reframe this. This is not about who is my neighbor. It's about, well, who was a neighbor? And as we've been saying over the last several episodes, this parable is not about identifying who is a neighbor. It's about whether or not we are a neighbor. And that in becoming a neighbor the way Jesus wants us to be, we have to shift the focus. We have to begin from a place of not what are the implications for me and what are other people going to think about me if I'm loving and serving these kinds of people or what's going to happen to me if I actually help this person in their time of need and it's a very precarious situation. It's what's going to happen to them if I don't step in, if I don't lend a hand, if I don't help them, if I don't stand by them and affirm their dignity and who they are, what's going to happen to them? Secondly, we've talked about that you've got to empathize, not to just look at them from a distance, but to go, I need to walk in their shoes. I need to empathize with their situation. I need to understand what they are going through and what their world is like. But I can't just stand in their shoes. I've got to respond that there's empathy and there's got to be action. And then as we talked in the last episode, if we're really going to love our enemy, then we have to imagine the good. We have to imagine it is possible that those we deem as enemies and everybody in between has the capacity to do good, the capacity to be good. That we can imagine a different world and a different way of responding to people who are different than us that we don't agree with. And that if we can shift the focus and empathize and respond in action to imagine the good and then to find the common humanity, to recognize that I can imagine this because I am finding the common good, then friends, I believe that what Jesus says to the expert at the end, go and do likewise, is something we will be willing and able to do in the power of the Holy Spirit to be who Jesus is asking us to be. So what kind of neighbor are you? What kind of pivoting needs to happen in your mind, in your heart, in your checkbook, in your family, to move, move the needle closer towards what our Father in Heaven was like? Who are you supposed to see as a neighbor? If it goes all the way to your arch enemy, the person you can least stand to be around, then doesn't it include everybody else? How are you supposed to love them? 
supposed to beat them with the text or are you supposed to love them with, with, with compassion and mercy and act and build enough of a relationship with them so you can sit down and talk to them about the text? Where in your relationships with others do you have to pivot? What does that look like? Some of you guys are in here, you're hurting today. And you're hurting in relationship. How do we pivot to see the greater good? And take this time and go to communion if you want to get your elements out. Wrestle with those a little bit. I'm excited to be at church that cares about people. I'm excited that we have people in this room right now that are going to vote differently but love each other well. I'm excited that we have people in this room right now that, that feel differently about hot topics, but we're going to... We, do you know we have a lot more in common than we do that's, that's different? We have a lot more in common than we do that's different. Let's focus on some of the commonalities and let's go do the things that we're supposed to do to further the kingdom because God's chosen you. You are his chosen people. We are the people that, that we are the, the kingdom of priests. He's chosen you to go make a difference during this time. For some reason, we all got to be here during COVID. Let's go in to the, let's go into the difficult times, not run away from them. Jesus went into it. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim him. Father in heaven, um, I just ask, Lord, that you would just uh, sift us this week. You would sift us with your word. You would sift us with interactions with people and relationships that we would be like, wait, wow, is that what I was talking about? Is that what it means? Is that what it means to be a neighbor? Is that what it means to see a neighbor? Am I challenged to, to transform my mind, Lord, and not have it be dictated to me, but let you, let you dictate it to me instead of letting the world dictate to me what I'm supposed to think and how I'm supposed to feel? Lord, I want to have a mind that thinks like, like you've designed it to think for your purposes. Get myself out of the way, Lord. Help us to be a church that people are like, oh yeah, that church? No, they're on it. They're, they are out. They're out in the community. I don't know what they really, I don't know about, I don't know about their God, but they sure, they sure love people well. Maybe that's what their God looks like. He listens, he loves, he respects. So Father, I just ask you just have your hand upon everyone here. Give us wisdom and guidance this week. Let us dive deeper into the parable and think about what does it look like to be your good Samaritan, to be your neighbor. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.